0: Thank you for having me. This is uh, th- this is my favorite setting I've ever recorded <laughs> one of these in. It's fun, right? This is pretty cool. <laughs> so, can you describe what where exactly we are here at o- Aurora are Country
1: Club? Currently in the, uh, I'll just say it as our locker room manager Ernesto calls it. He refers to it as his cave. Okay. This is his, officially his cave slash his office off the corner of our men's locker room. Um, it's the quietest room in the building, so I thought it would be good for this podcast we're surrounded by what towels and shoes and all the locker room essentials sunscreen shampoo and conditioner um you know all the good stuff
0: this is where golf lives. Like, oh, yeah. this is all golf stuff. I feel like it is being injected into my soul right now, <laughs> uh, along with a bunch of shoe polish uh, <laughs> exactly. that, that may get me a little dizzy here in the next oh, hour. Yeah, this is a
1: grassroots right here, man. Yeah,
0: this just helping. No, this is this is great. I mean, the, the only thing that can top this is we call the show the backdrop. So I guess now the goal is to, to how do we get. Into an actual bag room, a bag drop scenario. We can
1: do that. It's a little loud with the fans down there. A
0: uh, lot of things I want to talk to you about. I sure. just think you're a uh, uh, you're a PGA professional. Um, I want to get a little bit about your background, but you're just a phenomenal guy to talk to the game of golf with. Uh, you got a lot of great takes. Um, you do love the game. I mean, that comes across every time we chat with you. Uh, but uh, let's get started with um, with your game. So that's, let's talk about how you like to play the game of golf. Where did you grow up? Where did you
1: start playing?
0: Sure. Go from there.
1: Um, I grew up in Bloomington Normal um, at a public golf course. My parents lived off the 10th Fairway Ironwood Golf Course. You might have seen it if you've gone down 55. Um, it's in North Normal. That's where I became a total course rat from like f- age 14 on. Uh, when I was 16, actually, I started working there. I uh, just kind of picking the range and being a cart boy and continued that through my college years um, played in a lot of junior tournaments and ended up um, being fortunate enough to play college golf at bradley university in peoria we were never any good when i was there but i had a lot of fun and i got to meet some fellow golf junkies that i've been friends with ever since um, and then when i graduated i decided that i i didn't really to be honest i have not really feel felt comfortable anywhere besides the golf course my entire life because that's where i've spent I mean, it's either been school or at a golf course, so I kind of decided to pursue that and didn't have any affiliation with the PGA at the time. Um, just got on PGA website, looked into doing the assistant pro thing, and somehow landed here at Aurora. Um, was an assistant here for four years, and now this is going to be the fourth year um, of being head professional. And I guess the rest is history.
0: That's awesome, yeah, and one of the probably one of the youngest uh, head professionals in the section, I'd imagine.
1: Uh Yeah, I mean, I'm right there. I'm 29 now. I got this job when I was 26. I'll be 30 in May, yeah, so awesome. I'm pretty young. I feel like sometimes I don't get taken as seriously as I should, but you'll hopefully see that I'm very passionate about this game. It's it's the only thing I've never gotten tired of, and I, I'm just really passionate about golf, and I've been able to connect with some friends up here in the area that are also equally as passionate, and that's kind of sparked my interest towards architecture and um kind of the traditions of the game but i'm by no means a traditionalist in a lot of ways either i mean i think it's all about having fun and and i think that's what makes aurora a good fit we've got a great group of members here they they just like to have fun while respecting the traditions of the game you know it's not it's not a stuffy club at all but it is a it is a private club and they know what they have with their golf course and it's really just a fun thing to be a part of yeah yeah
0: i uh I told you w- when we walked in this morning, the same thing I've had the, the three or four times I've been here is th- there's a vibe. Oh yeah. And, and there's places that, that, uh, <coughs> manufacture a vibe and, and tell you about their vibe, but this is a vibe, you know, and no one's yeah. going to tell you about it. You just got to feel it. And, yeah. and I, uh, I feel it. I think, and we're sitting here in this a place filled with a lot of vibes, you know, but, um, the, the club itself, I can tell has a lot of that.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. There's a, uh, we've, like I said, we have a great group of members that have been here for, it's kind of a mix now we've gone um, we've got a lot of younger families now but then we have a group of guys that have been here forever and everybody just once they experience it they all love it it's just um, it's just an unbelievable golf course and an unbelievable group of members and I mean everything from we've got a lot of different games that go out there um, but we've got a kind of a, a core group that is just nothing but passion for ACC and like I said it's a cool thing to be a part of and the place is in good hands. I can assure you of that. If you're digging the vibe, then that's not going anywhere anytime soon. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So architecture, we're, we're going to talk plenty about that. I'm sure on this, um, sure. cause I know that's a passion of yours and, uh, a growing interest of mine. I, uh, don't consider myself to be authority on any of it, but I love reading well, about either, it. Me neither, <laughs> <laughs> but, but, I love, I love some of the, the takes you've, you've, you've given me on, on, uh, just course design. So maybe let's start with, uh, where you grew up. So now you ironwood. Right? Yeah. When oh, yeah. you go back there, I don't know who designed a What do you, What is your take it on it now a, versus you as a 14-year-old kid?
1: <laughs> designed by the famed Roger Packard, oh, who nice. I'm sure you've maybe heard of. I don't know. It's I have, of course. No, just kind of your classic Muni. Um, it's where I fell in love with the game, and I had the opportunity to work for a phenomenal pro, Craig Andrude, who's still there. Um, and he's kind of, I, I guess I would say working with him was the catalyst towards my appreciation for all things golf without, you know, necessarily coming from a stuffy background um he's just he kind of facilitated that in all of the people who worked for him um i still talk to a lot of my friends that i made when i was 16 years old working back there you know we've stayed in contact um and it's just i don't know for me it was kind of um, it, it really sparked my interest or my passion, really, for wanting to go into this business um, because Craig was a guy that really got it. He he loved to play. He loved to um, really grow the game. I know that's kind of a cliche in the PGA world, but growing the game doesn't mean, like, um, you know, enforcing, you know, dress code or anything like that. It's just, like, talking to people and get them to love the game, and he's he's who got me to love the game. I didn't mention before, but he's also the first... And really throughout my entire life, the only person I've ever taken lessons from. Um, So he, you know, he he was just a big part of me wanting to do this thing for a living. And um, I hope that I'm a fraction of, of him now in terms of growing the game and facilitating that passion in others.
0: I like how you phrase the girl of the game because you know most I, I hear it and I cringe most of the time. Yeah. because it's it's another marketing you know thing. It feels yeah. like by the USGA or PJ or whoever. But uh, those that live it the way that you are talking about it, um, you know, I just think the great PJ professionals are the ones that that truly haven't lost that spark that you are talking mm-hmm. about and just have uh, instilled that in other people by just talking about it by playing with them. Right. Um. And and uh, you definitely have that because I, I talk to you and I when I am done talking to you i want to go play and, and maybe not immediately but like i got to get back out there you know i got to see some of the places that we were talking about so sure. uh let's get into s- so some of those well let's start here i guess so so aurora country club we got a lot of names on the historic architecture sure. ar- architects of this place you got bendelow you got langford you got tillinghast
1: mm-hmm.
0: so what is it is it a bendelow is it a langford Is it well a tillinghast?
1: it's I feel it's, unfortunately, we don't have, like, original blueprints because there was a fire back in the 50s that kind of lost a lot of those. But we did come across um, an aerial from, I believe it was 1936 last year. Uh, My superintendent came across it, and we kind of went through it a little bit, and I talked to a couple of my fellow architecture buffs, and I think it is without a doubt a Langford. Um, I think it was originally a Langford design. Bendelow probably had a big hand in, in building it, I don't know about the Tillinghast thing. I think there was supposedly some redesign work in the 30s, but I think it was more just like a consulting, maybe move this bunker over here type of thing. Um, but I'd be happy to show you that, that aerial from the 30s. But it's really cool. It's, it's much the same golf course. I think all but three greens are original. They've obviously shrunken in size over the years. Um, they've been resurfaced a couple times, but as far as their locations and, and contours, other than uh, I think about three greens, it's very much the same. Um, and those are minor changes at that too like like for instance 10 has been um shortened it used to be it's at like 420 par 4 now it used to be like a 450 par 5 back in those days so they shortened that and then in, um lengthened 11 um i know that 15 or i'm sorry uh, 14 or par 3 is not quite an original green um six is not an original green um But I mention those because I think they flow with the golf course very, very well. And then, so I guess it's four greens uh, because 12 is not an original green too. And if you play, the routing really flows together. Other than maybe 12 to 13, you have to, once you finish on 12, you have to walk back to 13 tee, like maybe 120-ish yards. Um, And that never really made sense to me until I saw the area. I'm like, oh, of course. I do think it's a better hole now. Now it's uh, like a 420-ish from the back tees, sharp dogleg left. It used to be... Judging by the aerial, about a three thirty straightforward par four, um, which would still be a fun hole. But logistically, with the advances in technology, doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Uh, it'd be more of like kind of a hazard, I guess. And there's a few of the. Uh, you'll see a lot of classic courses in Chicago, in particular, that that maybe it's. Un- I say unfortunate just because I like to. You know, I don't think there's anything wrong with an awesome course at six thousand yards. But I understand also with the advances in technology sometimes it's just murderville out there if you get a t that's too close to like a landing zone that at the time the course was built was never even into consideration um, right. for instance our, our 18th t has a as a fence guarding the back t uh, because it, like if you flare to the right off of 11 so 11 runs along prairie street and then 18 comes back towards the clubhouse if you flare it right it's kind of kill zone if you hit it 240 to 250, and it's funny to think that when this course was built, that was never even like a Nobody thought, even right? considered yeah, that, right? Yeah, I mean, you bombed it. It went like maybe 210 with hickories. and yeah. um, So I understand that those changes have to be made, but I'm very proud of the way that the course has maintained its identity um, over the decades. We've got a phenomenal superintendent. Uh, John gurky has been here for over 25 years. Um, he's got it down to a science. It's a well-oiled machine. He, um, I will give him some credit. He, uh, well, I'll give him all the credit in the world because the course is amazing, but he has been instrumental in reopening some playing corridors over the years. Uh, if you look at some aerials from like the 90s, it was like just so tight. Just the 100-acre uh, wood? Yeah. A uh, longtime member told me one time they used to have, uh, anytime you missed the fairway, they could call it an APL, an Aurora pitch out. And um, <laughs> now we're at the point where, you're still going to be punished. It keeps it honest, but there's always a chance. And I think that's why our members have so much fun playing here. Cause if you go in the trees, you're not totally dead. You have an opportunity. Sometimes it leads to triple. Sometimes you can make a miraculous par save. And I think that a lot of that credit goes to our superintendent to, for thinning out the trees over the years. Well, we're by no means an open golf course, nor will we ever be. But, um, I think it's an, it just keeps the golf course honest. And
0: yeah, yeah, th- there's, um, uh, so I wanted to get on the bag. There's so many that things that unopen there. I mean, it's it's yeah. <laughs> got uh, uh, a lot of history to it. And, and being a Bendelow or a Langford, if you had your choice, you know, um, obviously you said the aerial kind of showed a little bit more of a Langford, but are you are you a Bendelow guy or you're a Langford guy?
1: Uh, you know, Bendelow was kind of, in my opinion, he was the classic, like, t- like Tom Fazio of his area, or of his um, – of his era because he just I don't know like there's a lot of great Bendalo courses don't get me wrong but I think it was just kind of a mass produced like pretty good golf course which I kind of feel is the same way with Fazio. Like, if I'm unfamiliar with golf in an area and I see they have, like, a Fazio public course, I'm probably going to play it because it's probably going to be pretty good. Kind of like it's got, like, a lot of curbside appeal and it's going to look pretty good, but, like, when you're done playing it, you don't necessarily want to get back out there. Like, it was fine. It was pretty. I'm sure it had a 180-yard par 3 over an irrigation pond because you cannot avoid the temptation to do that. <laughs> um, and that's not to say, you know, Fazio's designed some great golf course courses, obviously, and so has Bindelo. Um, but I think, per the era, there just wasn't, it was just kind of a mass-produced, like, you know, It, and I think a lot of people still kind of hold on to that name, and I think yeah. it's the same way with Fazio. Um, they kind of, you know, oh, it's a Tom Fazio. Well, there's a billion of those courses, and there are very few that are great. Right. Now, and in I contrast, I do feel that Langford courses are very great. I'm a huge Langford fan. Um, we talked lov- about a so
0: your Lo- you. fazio comparison, though, because oh, yeah. uh, I, I actually haven't heard that before, but it does make... Uh, a ton of sense to me because, you know, Bendelow. if you think about it, it, it just became synony- synonymous with what a, a successful course was, mm-hmm. uh, probably thanks to Medina here sure. in Chicago. So everyone sees Medina and, oh, that's the standard. Right. So people start hiring Bendelow to, to build right. a course or make those changes. And he, you know, he, he did a ton of golf courses just like Fazio did. But I think Fazio had the same experience in the 80s and, and 90s yeah. uh, where people just say, oh, that's success. That's what it looks like. Um, but if you, f- for me, I, I'm with you. I, I, there's a lot of Fozio courses I really enjoy. There's a lot oh, of Benderlau right? courses I really enjoy. There's something that sounds like we're going to agree on this. You know, a Langford course is just, uh, is fun. Yeah. It's uh, memorable.
1: Uh, there's, there's a lot of, unfortunately not as many great Langfords as there are other courses and a lot of them have kind of been lost in time. Uh, we talked a little bit about Spring Valley up just north of the border in Wisconsin is, yeah, I still haven't I, been up there. It's it's an awesome course. I, I read somewhere that uh, Esler, who obviously designed Black Sheep just up the road, um, he's a big Langford fan. And he described Spring Valley as finding a Porsche that has been untouched for 40 years in a garage. And I think that's the perfect way to describe it. It's a little scruffy. Um, you can see the original layout. They have a huge uh, framed photo of it in the clubhouse, which is really cool to see. It has no bunkers, but they're all grass bunkers. They never filled in the bunkers. Um, But really, it's just such a true Lankford with really bold features around the greens. Um, All the greens are pitched up big time with just like deep, which would have been really extreme bunkers but even as grass bunkers there's there are a lot of fun there's two holes there that aren't original and when you play there they kind of stick out like a sore thumb but it's honestly 16 great holes you can play it seven days a week with a cart for like 25 bucks and they have new Glarus beer which I'm a fan of too oh, there you go
0: <laughs> Talking about you gotta have the the post round libations to accompany the uh exactly golden age <laughs> architecture uh, the Spring Valley, so that's on my list. Another one on my list yeah. of of Langford, and and what's so cool about being you know you're a Midwest kid, I'm a Midwest kid. Like I didn't grow up appreciating it. I grew up on a Langford MRO, and and uh, I didn't really appreciate it like I do now. Um, and I love going back, and sure. I, I pull out the persimmons and the blades to play it because it's only stretches to 6,400, but it's just filled with variety. It's got you know a lot of bold. Boldness on the bunkering and, and those large grass faced bunkers, but you know as a kid you just kind of if you grow if that's what you grow up on yeah. you just kind of say well that's what golf is right sure. But then you go other places and I started seeing other Langford and Moreau's and I'm like oh wow they had a, they had this style that they injected into places that that really made it fun. It really makes for a, a fun day of golf. But what what I love about being in the Midwest is you know if you are getting into architecture um, Langford Moreau they they've done tons of private golf but there is a considerable amount of, of still public access laying from Moreau courses sure. within drive driving distance of folks in you know michigan and, and ohio and uh, illinois and i know you know we're both fans of andy johnson and the fried egg mm-hmm. he's he's introduced people to where those places are at and and i know you know members of ours are getting in the car and driving to to all of them sure. which is awesome
1: like it's just it is it is great and so i cool. hope that that it seems like there's a resur- resurgence in kind of renaissance architecture, at least in the last few years, which is awesome. I hope that it, um, you know, I know Lawsonia has kind of been put on the map a little bit. And I think a facility like Sand Valley, which is awesome, um, I don't think that's really competition for Sonia Because I think now, maybe if you're doing a buddy's trip up there, you're going to want to hit both. And if you're into the Sand Valley thing, there's no way you're not going to like Lawsonia. Um Yeah that's a phono- that's probably the best example of of a great langford Moreau. um i i always say that if it were on long island with an elite membership it would be a firm top 10 in the country um, i still think it's arguably the best golf course in the midwest um no disrespect to some other great ones but it's just so unassuming that i think it gets overlooked a little bit but it's it's hands down my favorite place to play within driving distance of chicagoland and that includes all the chicago courses
0: yeah i'm i'm with you i know my co-founder mark would agree too who's uh not as into architecture as you or i but to see like his experience with it just being uh, a slightly more novice to like who langford Moreau are and you know what what their design principles are and he just had an absolute blast and i think that's the mark of good architecture for me is like can i bring you know friends who who frankly couldn't give a shit who langford Moreau are Mm. but you just see that they're having a better day like they're having more fun and i'm just like okay yeah there's something there's a secret here this is working
1: I, it's funny because it's a formula that they got right in the 20s and unfortunately it's kind of it had gone away for you know it was kind of a dark period in architecture from like the 70s 80s and even 90s and um, fortunately you know like the renaissance of v- dokes design firm and Corin crenshaw and and um gil hans has had some really cool projects those guys have kind of put great architecture back on the map um And kind of brought it to the, I I credit a lot of that maybe to Mike Kaiser with bringing bringing great architecture to the people, starting with Bandon. And how many times has he, you know, he's done that since with Cabot and Sand Valley and the Barn Boogle. And then even people have copied off of that, uh, like with Streamsong. And it's a winning formula. If you have great golf courses and you make them public, people are going to go there. And you have great amenities on site, so you don't have to worry about. You know the guys that go to those places myself and my friends included they don't care about like the the city life of that area they just want to camp out at that facility for two three days whatever it is and just live and breathe golf and it's really cool and i i just think as golfers we're so lucky that those projects have kind of uh, boomed in the last few years um and it's kind of hopefully put an end to what was kind of a dark period <laughs> where it was all about forced carries and how long it the courses and, you know, a championship layout because none of these courses are particularly difficult. And I think that's another way they got it right with like Lausonia, for instance, is it's very wide and forgiving off the tee. That's not to say that it's not challenging because the greens are so bold and there's so much, um, so many internal contours and like so much going on around the greens that, that it makes it. Still challenging for a better player, but it's the kind of place where I can go with my dad who's 70, and he's going to have fun, and he's going to make a number of pars, and nobody wants to go and get beat up anymore. Yeah. Um, and it, it's pretty funny to me, I'll just expound on that. When I hear somebody be critical of a course because they say it's too easy, it's just hilarious. Like, would you shoot 59? I mean, <laughs> this course wasn't designed to host tour players. And I don't think that that's like there's nothing wrong with that. It's. Like, Sand Valley wasn't wasn't designed to host the U.S. Open, and that's fine. And I don't think it should because guys would shoot 59. But right. that doesn't mean it's not a phenomenal golf course. I mean, Cypress Point's arguably the best course in the world, and if they had a tour event there, guys would shoot in the low 60s, and they'd make, it'd be a joke for them. But that doesn't mean it's any less of a golf course, you know. And I think um, going back to here, that's why – our members love to play in it day in and day out. We've got such a wide range of members, age and ability-wise, and they all have fun playing it because it's very challenging. There's, it's it's very challenging for a better player. Uh, the area around the greens keeps it honest for a better player, but it's also not going to beat you up with length or force carries or anything like that. And I think the best golf courses have helped kind of mold those two things together very well. Yeah, the, the, uh,
0: the, the things I, I enjoy most in – and why I've gotten so much more into architecture for those those same reasons is like I, I was so obsessed with score for so much of my golf life. Me
1: too. Yeah. You, know,
0: you too, right? You yeah. you're junior golf. That's what. That was a
1: successful day, right? How low right. you could shoot.
0: And and that's uh, you know everyone makes a lot. We make a lot of comparisons to you know the British Isles and the golf societies and the golf courses and how things are just different. But one thing that's very different is this obsession with score mm-hmm. that we have here. But I think it does dictate those dark days of of golf architecture, where, you know, what was success? Well, it was defending par, and it was, you know, being that difficult golf course. Oh, I played there, yeah, they could host the US Open, and that was success. But now people just, I think, are are coming back to this practicality that if I'm gonna take four or five hours of my day to go do something, it better be fun, it better Mm -hmm. be memorable, and it better be challenging. And -hmm. and I think, as you're describing challenges, uh, it's not, you know, Force carries and trying to break 85 on a tough golf course mm-hmm. it's it's like asking a different question and seeing if you can execute it so mm-hmm. whether that's for birdie or par or whatever that's the challenge and i think you know a lot of courses quote unquote that are easy um i seek out now because they're just more fun they yeah. got they got a little more quirk to it and and it's it's going to be a memorable
1: day sure absolutely um yeah, Have you played I mean, uh, a on the head.
0: another uh, another Langford and Moreau? I wanted to ask if you played. I haven't played, but I'm I'm already scheduled and teed up to go down uh, Kankakee Alps.
1: Kankakee is an uh, awesome golf course. Uh, it's funny. So tying that back into my days at Ironwood, uh, at the time I associated good golf courses with uh, largely based on conditions, because um, I had you know it was just a scruffy bluegrass golf course. A great golf course. I still go down there when I'm home, and I still play, and it's fun. But it's very flat. Um, It's just kind of straightforward. It's just like your classic Muni. Fun golf course, but it's definitely your classic Muni. And for me, I would play in the city tournament every summer uh, because the top 18 would get to – they would qualify for a third round at Bloomington Country Club. Oh, man, that was like the greatest thing ever because – and it was, and it's a good course. Don't get me wrong. But the reason I thought it was awesome is because it has a beautiful clubhouse and the fairways are perfect and the greens are perfect. Whereas now, if I ask somebody how they like a golf course and they immediately go into like the condition of the fairways or the greens, I kind of lose interest because it's like, okay, well that's not really objectively saying why the golf course was good. Which brings me to Kankakee. It's scruffy. I mean, it's <laughs> another course you can play in a cart for twenty-five bucks and. I don't know how healthy it's doing, but I hope with this resurgence and people like us that it'll be able to survive because it is an awesome golf course. And it is a truly original Langford Merlot and Moreau other than, I believe, the fourth green, par three up the hill. I believe that's the only unoriginal green, and it's still an awesome hole. It it still kind of gels with the rest of the course. But other than that, it is super original. You can kind of see where the... I'll be anxious to get your opinion after you play there, but you can kind of see where the fairways have kind of shifted over a little bit. You can see where there used to be a cross bunker, and now it's like kind of in the middle of trees, and and it is kind of over treeed. And that's I don't hate trees, but I don't like when they force a play off a tee. Um, I think that's kind of I think technology has kind of also played a role in that. Where now, you know, guys kind of seek. I think a lot of golfers seek equitable like hit it here and be rewarded hit it there and be screwed type of thing and i don't see it that way i'm more into playing angles um and you can when you go to a place like Kankakee, you can see god it's just such a great set of greens and such a great layout but then you can see where trees have been planted over the years and they've been shifted and that doesn't mean that it's not still a great course but you can definitely see how like modern influence is kind of in my opinion negatively affect an otherwise great course but it's still i think that's probably the best golf value in illinois i mean it honestly i think that that's better than most any public course in chicago and a lot of people would laugh at that because they don't have greens that are smooth and roll at 11 and the fairways have the occasional dandelion in them but who cares like it's such an awesome <laughs> golf course I, I i love finding dandelions on the golf
0: course yeah. personally <laughs> we, we talked about this with the, the assistant superintendent out at dunes club last week yeah and he, he was talking about there's uh clovers and dandelions and some of these things with and i'm like you know what, some of my favorite links courses I've played, they were covered in dandelions. Yeah. It's its like, that's such a, you know, in our world, it's like, are you kidding me? That's terrible. For, it's so for different golf. over but there, right? How does that impact your day? You know, how does that yeah. take away from it? It doesn't. Right. Um, I'm sure it could use a nice buffing, it sounds like, as I'm sitting next to the shoe buffer, you know, <laughs> someone taking Kankakee Alex and cleaning it up. I mean, I'm sure.
1: Oh, it's got so much potential.
0: Somebody's probably had to look at that already.
1: I would think, because it's got, yeah. I mean, it's it's got a world of potential. It's just kind of in an area where, I don't know, but then back to the, like, on a small scale Kaiser type project, Chicagoland players like you and I would still drive the hour, hour and a half to play there. Obviously, you're going to. Um, so I think a facelift would go go a long way to at least put it on the map. But it's funny, going back to the Ironwood thing, too. I actually played in a junior tournament at Kankakee Elks, um, gosh, back when I was 14, 15, or whatever, and I. I just didn't understand it, and I'm like, whatever. It's it's horrible, and I want to go back home and play the courses I'm used to. And and now, like, I've gotten to play so many great courses all around the country. And one of the favorite things I can, one of my favorite things to do on a Monday is go play a place like Kankakee. I mean, it's just funny. I, I've been fortunate enough to have access to all these great golf courses, and Kankakee still gets me. I mean, that's one of those places. And
0: that's really cool. Yeah, yeah to you know to hear that is that's because uh, I've had friends tell me a lot of things about it. And uh, I think I read Friday's piece on it. So it's one of the big reasons that it's moving on my list. But to hear, you know, a guy like you that has played all those places and y- you just, something about that $27 round yeah. <laughs> that sticks with you. <laughs> yeah. Like that, that is a true test is I want to go back there and play. I love when people say that. I always, always add it to my list of, okay, I gotta go check that out.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That's cool. Um, uh, other courses in the area. It's talk kind of some Chicago golf courses. Where are some pa- places that you really do like in addition to, you know, some of the ones you've, you've mentioned?
1: Uh, well, you know, I kind of mentioned, I think that, uh kind of alluded to the fact that I feel Chicago with how many golfers it has and how many golf courses I feel that the overall golf course, especially on the public side are a little bit, uh, weak, you know, dubs is fine, but it's really hard. Um, can or Cantini's fun. Um, but it's very much new school architecture. I think that it's really cool what Mount prospect did with their redesign. Uh, I know that was pretty controversial it was a huge price tag, but anybody who's played there since, I think will agree that it's loads of fun. Um, and then, you know, we have some, I think like shepherd's crook has its own thing up there. That's a fun golf course. It's just funny because I don't see, I don't see like the expensive courses in great condition, even cracking the top 10 for, for Chicago golf. Um, just because dubs has hosted a major and is it's a very good golf course don't get me wrong it's fun um, but it's not the kind of place I would want to take my dad to play he'd shoot a million and I I mean I shoot a million there for that matter yeah. and I think that's why tour pros are pretty critical of it and they ultimately it's, it's just kind of funny they hired Reese Jones to hopefully get a major and it ended up backfiring on him and mm-hmm. there's never gonna be a PGA <laughs> event there again um, on the private side there's no sh- sor- shortage of great golf courses uh, there's such a high concentration of great courses, especially up on the North Shore. Old Elm is one of my favorites. Um, I haven't had a chance to see Bobo since the redo, but I understand that's a pretty cool project. Um, obviously, Shore and Chicago are widely regarded as the best, as, as they should be. Um, but then even, like, there's a ton of courses like us. Like, I think Aurora's a great course, and there's a lot of courses kind of in our... Um, I don't know if you call it market or like a lot of courses similar to us where maybe you haven't heard of them. Um, but you know, it's a golden age design and it's been largely unaltered over the years. And I mean, you can just go down the list as far as those courses are concerned.
0: Yeah. Those are the places that I I think the Midwest in general is just so rich in, in those kind of under the radar. Um, mostly are, are private that I've, I've uncovered, but have a lot of history like this place, mm-hmm. and are just and are just so good. And I, I actually was uh, on the the ride out. Um, I was looking at the uh, uh, the top one hundred you know courses.com list. Then mm-hmm. uh, there's so many lists. Are, are you much of a list guy? Is there anywhere you'll go? Uh, kind of you know, contrast? I
1: d- you got to take Golf Digest list with a grain of salt. You got places like uh, maybe I shouldn't say uh, I'll say Kenyatta, but I think you know the yeah. other Illinois course that always makes the list, which is. Um, And to me, that's just a total, like, what are you doing on that list? So there are obviously red herons that get on. I I like the golf week list more. I I like that they they separate classic and modern because I don't think it's really fair to compare because there's so many classic courses that you or I have never heard of that if you go play are just unbelievable. But they don't get any love because also they put into their – ratings, I should say, Golf Digest, does have conditioning and resistance to scoring as part of how they gauge golf courses, and I think that's how you get some of those. Makes uh, sense.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. And and, uh, uh, the almighty dollar. Let's let's face it, they, they are media entities, so people don't always Uh, coordinate those two but um you know i I think the the the, the lists are interesting for discussion purposes oh yeah i could give two hoots about you know them being on the list but i think as you're talking to people like well is that better or is it not that's fun to talk about and one thing that surprised me is on that top 100 list um i thought i'd see aurora based on it didn't make the so i think they do like in each state maybe 60 Mm -hmm. i didn't see in the top 60 are you are you appalled
1: i mean i should be right i I would be (laughs) just because there are some (laughs) courses on there that are like i don't know it's frustrating for me, as kind of an architecture snob, to see a course that's on there largely because the greens are perfect and they have, unbl- and the fairways are perfect and it, they're hard. You know, they have like a rating of 76 and a slope of 155. And but that doesn't make them good. Um, and I I think it's silly if you think like going back to when when somebody plays somewhere awesome or they're excited to tell me about a course. I love those discussions, but when they start off by saying how hard it is, it's like, well, that doesn't really have anything to do with. I mean, to me, that doesn't sound fun for that matter. Like, yeah, yeah, it was cool. I went there and I shot 85 and I lost three balls and it was a great course. Like, well, <laughs> that's why it's great. Like, I could, I mean, you could, if you make Aurora par 27, it's pretty hard. So, like, <laughs> what's what's the difference, right? I mean, and then I also think that par has kind of, I heard you guys talking earlier about match play. I do think stroke play is kind of an unnecessary evil. <laughs> that's played into why I think maybe, maybe has kind of played into the dark days of architecture a bit um and then going back to like how much different the mindset is overseas they don't care about things like a dandelion in the fairway i mean gosh they put fences around their greens to keep the goats off of them which is just hilarious and fun and they don't they're not going to shy away from going out there if the wind's blowing 40 because they don't care like like how many times do you hear well you know it's rain or it's I I get it because I don't like to get wet, but if it's super windy and it's playing tough out there, I want to go out there, and I might shoot 85, but I don't care because I'm going to hit some fun and hilarious shots that I don't get to otherwise hit. And it seems like they tend to get it a little bit more in Scotland and in Ireland um, because why are you – par is just an arbitrary thing. Like it doesn't – you know, I I sometimes hear – like, for instance, our 18th hole is uh, 480 from the back tees uh, par five. I love it as a par five. It makes for a lot of, uh, dramatic endings to matches. Um, usually that's where all the money comes down to. And it's, I think it's a great hole as is, but I've heard, you know, over the years that maybe it should be more of a par four. Um, and I totally disagree. I think it could be a par two and it doesn't actually change the hole at all. And I think a lot of people forget that. Um, Conversely, it could be a par 90, and it doesn't, like, matter. The hole still just is what it is. And I think part of that is the stroke play, the unnecessary evil of stroke play. And if you're playing match play, you don't care what par is. You care about beating your opponent. Um, and then with that, you don't, you know, you don't care if you're, you don't have that added stress of, oh, geez, if I hit it OB on this hole, then I'm going to make at least a double. And, like, who cares what your overall score is? We're not playing for a living. I think... It's very necessary for the PGA Tour to play stroke play because that obviously determines the best player, especially over four rounds. Um, but for just regular golfers, why are we wasting time playing stroke play?
0: Yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you're speaking my language. We The conversation we were having earlier as we were coming in was around match play, and we were trying to, to kind of pinpoint some of the things that make golf so enjoyable or, or make one round just that little bit extra special or a little mm-hmm. bit better than than the one before it or the one after it and uh, and we kind of listed out some of our favorite rounds from last year and the, one, one thing that they all had in common was uh, a casual game of match play sure and and this is also from like feedback from others not just me and, and i think it's a sneaky way to help people kind of shift their perspective because if you are playing stroke play or just playing your own ball you know, people say they're not keeping score. Yeah, they're keeping track. You know, it's kind right. of our, ingrained in us at this point sure. to keep track of our score. Um, but if you're playing match play, they can lose track of that a little bit easier. And they can focus in on those, you know, 18 individual matches. And so then they start looking at the 18th hole as, oh, I, I need to make birdie or, or I need to make par to shoot a certain number. They're looking at it as, I'm one down. I got to beat this guy. He just put it in the left bunker. There's a ton of room, right? right. I'm put, and, and then they made six, they won the hole. But they had a great day, and they're in there yucking it up about their match. Right. You know, and, and yeah. I just think it's so crucial. Like, you're over in Ireland, Scotland, and this always stuck with me from uh, our visit to the New Golf Club. Every person walked in there. Everybody asked them, how was your game? You sit in a country club here in the States. What'd you shoot? What'd you shoot? Yeah, every time. What'd you shoot? <laughs> ah, I didn't break 80 today, and I didn't have my stuff. Or, ah, I broke 75, you know, really, really yeah. smoking the driver. Like, It's just so different. And I think it has effects on us that we don't even realize. And we get burned out quicker than they do.
1: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It's so, and golf is so ingrained in the culture over there. Um, And, you know, that the the golfers the hardcore golfers here they're not going anywhere but i think it's kind of affected the growth of the game going back to growing the game um (laughs) in the states because we we do get so obsessed with score and measurable numbers and let's face it none of us are going to play on the pga tour so why do we care what we you know i think that's i think that's a great example how is your game i mean how many guys do you know are 20 handicaps and they have so much fun i think that's great and then you have guys that are, you know, two handicaps, and they go out and they shoot seventy nine, and they're just they're pissed off. It's like, well, you're yeah. missing something here. Yeah. And going back to, um, I guess, another plug for Aurora, is it seems that most of our members don't lose sight of that. They just yeah. like to have fun and be with friends, and the the main game that they play is uh, on a hold the hold basis, and it's a match play type type format. And and I think they they just nail it with that.
0: I'll I'll tell you. So I talked about that vibe as we got started and, you know, we're pulling in today two guys in their, you know, mid, uh, mid forties, maybe, maybe early fifties. Um, you could hear them. Banter on the on the green they were playing a match yeah i could tell they were both <laughs> dressed entirely different too which i also got kicked out yeah. <laughs> you had like loudmouth pants on one guy and then like <laughs> just your, your very traditional khaki uh, pleated pants on the other oh, yeah. and it's you know 45 degrees out there on this is a we're still in march as we're recording this and and i had you know and i think they were push carton too and and you know some places are, are against push carts i'm like guys this has been a big part of the game it's easier for people to to walk uh we're all for taking caddies you Mm -hmm. know we we definitely want to support especially kid caddy programs i think that's important but if the if the choice is a push cart versus a cart Mm -hmm. you know get out there and walk you're going to see more of the golf course you're going to experience it better um but but i saw that this morning and and again that was a big part of my uh, talking about this vibe is i'm like oh man that's it you know that's it oh yeah those are guys that just get it and they're out there to just enjoy a game together, they're probably gonna you know get done around ten thirty, and they're gonna go to work or whatever they got to do. But um, that's the stuff. That's the stuff I love to see.
1: Absolutely, it's all about just coming out and playing. I mean, go have fun. This course is yours. Go enjoy it. It's it's been around forever for a reason, and it's it's so fun to play. And it's funny you mentioned that the differing kind of um, kind of backgrounds or like how they were dressed or whatever we. It, m- our games that go out on a day-to-day basis, you'll see like a plus two playing with a 20. All the time you see that and everything in between. And they just, they have so much fun. Uh, And it's just really cool to see. And it's, it's a really fun environment for me to be a part of. And they they just like to have fun. Honestly, it it makes my job a lot easier. I don't have to worry about any, you know, clickiness or like, well, they're not good enough to play with us or anything like that. And that's the way golf should be. That's what's going to going to make people want to play this game and want to join a club and want to be a part of it it doesn't matter you're not going to be judged because because you shoot 100 go out there you can have just as much fun as the guy who shot 68 and -hmm. you can also play together and that's also the beauty of golf that's why handicaps are a thing because you can play against anybody
0: and i it's clear to me too that you know that uh all that stems from people you know places matter having a great golf course some interest some challenge some you know memorability to it but that five just doesn't happen, you know. I think mm-hmm. you you have to be a big influence on that, as do the members here, as do the board members, all that stuff. Um, but uh, it's the people, it's the people that embrace that, absolutely. And and those places are just always gonna thrive. They're always gonna be the places people want to be, absolutely. Because it sti- it sticks with you, you know, absolutely. Um, what other, uh, th- maybe technology? I don't. Everyone talks a lot about technology. We don't need to go like off the rails on equipment, but I'm curious. You're such a fan. Obviously, you have a skew towards classic architecture. It sounds mm-hmm. like. Um, have you, you know, when you go to those places, are you busting your Callaway Epic Flash driver oh, yeah. down the middle? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Are you, so you haven't made the transition to persimmons? No,
1: I mean it's fun, and I understand there's a lot of guys that like to do that, and I think that's that's a cool way to play. Um, I actually have kind of scoured eBay a little bit, looking to maybe get a set of persimmons just to kind of experience you know, what golf was like then um, but because th- throwing square out the window. But I like to hit a 300. It's just fun to bomb it, right? I mean, yeah. uh, I will say that it's kind of made, at least at the tour level, guys a little bit more, like, one-dimensional. I, I think it would be more fun to kind of, you know, when you watch footage from even – Even as little as 20 years ago, guys were always working it both ways and shaping shots. You don't see that a lot anymore. I mean, look at our current world number one, Dustin Dustin Johnson, who's obviously the best player in the world, but he largely plays a one-dimensional game. He hits just a little peeling fade, and he's very effective at that, and he's the number one player in the world for a reason. But I I feel like 25 years ago you couldn't get it done with just hitting one shot over and over. Um, And I think that, you know, architect – it's like a chicken or an egg thing, really. Like, the technology has forced architecture to push te- bat, tees back and make force carries, and and then technology keeps getting better. And I think tour players' attitudes have changed. Um, a lot of them, like playing, for instance, Firestone. I think Firestone is just incredibly <laughs> boring. It's just a total back-and-forth single-file golf course. But it's straightforward, and it's right in front of you, and it's tight, and it's that's what tour players want. And maybe that is the... the best way to determine who's playing the best for a given week but i just i wish they could you know i heard ben Crenshaw say hold few on years you, ago. you
0: fired shots across the boat for firestone you're talking <laughs> to uh, uh akron ohio native here if i don't call you if i don't try to to defend my hometown's <laughs> honor i'm gonna get i'm gonna get ridiculed by friends and family so how do you feel
1: about firestone
0: so i you know w- uh spent a lot of time at firestone so i grew up there my dad cut greens there Cool. uh he wow i really
1: threw shots <laughs> yeah my dad
0: cut greens there he, he um uh he's a member now you know so he kind of kind of a cool story right you wake up at 3 a.m yeah, cool. to go cut greens there and now he gets to play um and uh and i, I worked there i played my college golf there so i <laughs> i got a lot of ties to to firestone but so am t- i missing
1: something I mean, but here's
0: what i'm gonna i'm gonna get into uh soon i'm gonna do a research project on the actual uh the original layout i'm not arguing it's not up and down you look at an arrow of the place you're like rinse and repeat it is a long (laughs) par four dead straight with deep sunken bunkers and an elevated green um but there is and this is why i want to go in this uh this research project the same architect within two years of each other designed a municipal golf course called good park um, Good Park's regarded as one of the best public courses that's that's out there. Uh, Good Park went through some tough times, and they didn't have uh, a lot of money to make a lot of changes. Mm-hmm. And I know Firestone did. Firestone had a ton of money, so um I think the original Firestone had a lot more intrigue than we're giving it credit. Sure, uh, I can't I'm not, I can't say it for certain because I would agree with you. The way that it plays is it, pretty boring, right? Mm-hmm. Driver, mid iron, you know. <laughs> Either a tough up and down or, or a two putt, and and you, you go on to the next hole. But uh, but I want to look at some of those original green structures because you know my old man, I'll give him credit. You know he's a, I was kind of uh, ignored it growing up, but he played. He was like, oh, this green was so different. I'll tell you, when I used to cut this thing, sure. I would almost fall off into the bunker. And I'm like, all right, Dad, you're just telling stories. But I, I got to find some more info on it because sure. I think it I think it was a lot more interesting than it is today. Um, but but like you said, when I when I go out there now. I really just have to give myself the mindset, all right, it's going to be a hard day. I'm going to really see how my ball striking is. Yeah. You know, that. that's the only way I can get excited yeah, for it. It's b- just target practice. It's just target yeah. practice. How how far and straight can I hit this club today? Mm-hmm. And uh, and that's okay. But, uh, yeah, it's... Well, I'm glad you mentioned that
1: because I think that a lot of golf courses have kind of um, evolved in a way that has made them kind of more boring. Um and I think a lot of that has to do with not only technology, but I think modern green speeds I don't think has necessarily been good for for architecture anyway. Um, I mean, out here is no exception. I think at least four of my favorite greens um, are only pinnable on about a third of them. And that's not because they've gotten more severe or anything. It's just our green speeds are, you know, they're country club fast. Our greens are real awesome all the time. Um and it just kind of bothers me that rather than. The solution is very simple, and that's just maybe don't shave them and don't, <laughs> you know, maybe don't roll them as fast, but instead, you know, they need to be flattened. Um, you know, like, uh, gosh, Augusta National's done that over the years. Um, that's probably the most glaring example. Augusta's the best ever because the Greens always roll at 15 and they're perfect, right? Yeah, well, they're a lot flatter than they were in 1934. Um, and that's another one. If you look at before and after pictures, like, I understand Augusta's a special place, but it's it's just almost a shell of what it once was. Um,
0: and with
1: that being said, I think that greens that are smooth and fast are obviously fun to putt on. I think it's the easiest way to make otherwise boring greens more fun. But I think there are so many great golf courses that uh, modern green speeds have kind of been a detriment to. Um, and it's just really unfortunate, unfortunate that the attitude has been rather than to just slow them down or maybe don't roll them at 14 all the time to just flatten them it's like you're losing great greens i i applaud a course like crystal downs who's been very resistant i know they're a long-time pro who's no longer there fred muller was instrumental in that um that's a course that kind of seems to get it like let's leave these things i mean you have those are ancient artifacts you've got original mckenzie greens i mean you can't even call augusta national original anymore um I don't mean to be down August no, I think that's just that's the most glaring example of Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's uh, one everyone can can, can uh, picture mm-hmm. and sure. understand, you know, how it's evolved over time because mm-hmm. even in our decade uh, you know there you can see those changes right. from right. year to year. Right. Um, that's that's really interesting you brought up green speeds cuz you know your comment about conditions like when mm-hmm. you hear someone talking about the, the conditions, uh, I don't always get that way when they're talking about their home club but if if someone I ask, you know, like, oh, what's so great about your club or, or you know, what, what do you love about it and they say, oh, our greens are so fast. Yeah. They're are so they fast, fast or are they fun?
1: <laughs> yeah. And because I, just, I don't think they're the same. Is you know? it the
0: same? Yeah, and I just, uh, that to me, I know that superintendent's working really hard to keep them, you know, you running pu- pure and fast and
1: well that's kind of the standard that's been set it's you the standard that's
0: been set but i i just i just right. know i kind of tune out at that point because i'm like mm-hmm. if that's if that's it you know, or, or if that's your lead-in if that's the first thing you're talking about which is uh, you know the speed of our greens i don't know i just yeah. it, it, i think it's been lost like you're saying um you know the the more interesting contours are the ones that are running at nine and ten because you can put a pin in some places that right. you can't put uh, on a 14 or a 13 or a 12
1: right absolutely in fact i think um to me our course is it's f- it's for me more fun when you know like this time of year where they're a little slower than they d- they are during the season when we really have them rolling because we can actually introduce some pins that we can't otherwise put out there um you know we can actually put some pins out on a day like today where during the season a ball just simply wouldn't stay there um don't get me wrong it's fun to put on them when they're that fast and they're glass and i think i think maybe the just watching the tour every week has kind of affected that a little bit too and it's become kind of a bragging rights thing right i mean like oh we played there the other day and the greens were so fast and, and it is fun but to me fast and fun um or fast and interesting are, are just totally different and i don't think they should they're not one in the same at all they shouldn't even be in the same conversation right I mean, if greens are interesting you don't need speed to make them good if greens are boring speed's going to help but i mean our greens We're lucky, and we get spoiled out here because they roll awesome and they're fast all the time. But they're fun greens anyway. Yeah, I mean,
0: they already have it in there. Yeah, it's not just the speed, right? uh, How involved are you in in course setup from day to day? Uh, I'm I'm sure for the tournaments, you're you're, you know pretty hands on. But from day to day,
1: what what do you? I talk to our superintendent every morning. We're pretty good friends. Um, He kind of keeps me updated on what's going on out there. But that's that's pretty much his baby out there. I mean, he does all the I'll, you know, we'll get together as far as tournament setup for tees and pin positions and that kind of thing. But other than that, he kind of just tells me what he's doing, and, and that's the way it should be. He's been here for a long time for a reason, and he does a great job with the course. Yeah. He's done a really good job.
0: So uh, I invited you to hit some balls on Saturday, and you tell me this morning that you haven't hit a ball since was it October? November,
1: yeah. November? Off of grass, I've hit. Oh, okay. In a simulator, you know. Okay, so you're getting some (laughs) sim
0: time, that's good. I'm worried about your golf game, that's the only reason I ask. (laughs) So, how do you, and maybe we'll we'll wrap with this, but uh, I I started with this question, so how does Nate Perry enjoy playing his golf? Like, obviously, you have this heightened appreciation for great golf courses, architecture, Uh, it sounds like you'd enjoy yourself any golf course anywhere, but like, what, what is your ideal day playing for you? Like, what does that look like?
1: my ideal day would be playing with good friends maybe having a couple beers playing fast and just enjoying the round not caring what i shoot um i like to hit shots you know i like to i don't necessarily care about shooting a score i just i have a lot of fun just trying to hit shots and i don't i don't play for a living so i don't necessarily care where it ends up all the time i like to try to manufacture shots and for me that's that's where the fun has come but I, I found out over the years that I'm more my real passion for the game it's always evolved I guess I should say I used to be a big equipment junkie and and most recently I've really gotten into architecture and I've found that I've always loved the game but what I love most about it is the company and in the playing field what's your plan on it uh, and that doesn't mean it has to be some super high-end private club that you can only play once in a lifetime I have arguably more fun as i mentioned playing a place like Hankakee. Um and i think that's just to me those are the most fun days it, it, you're on a good course with good company that doesn't mean a super private course with with you know super important people it's just i like to play with my buddies and i like to have fun and i like to play a course that's interesting to me